brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Blog Talk Radio. John, can you tell me what movie that was from? You have to know. Oh, see, that's not fair because I was just I was I was re going over the list I put together for this, so I wasn't really paying hundred percent attention. <laughs> I heard I heard most of it, but uh... <laughs> the sheer chaos of it should tell you what it was. <laughs> I mean, I'd guess Avengers Endgame, but I, I didn't recognize any of that from that. No, it is a movie that is very high on most people's best movies of the decade list. That is Mad Max Fury Road, my friend. That's Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, right. Witness yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Come on, man. It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I should have I should have guessed that. I, I was in a very 2019 uh, headspace, so. Well, we are going to be talking about our best, uh, best of 2019, and maybe your worst if you got any on there. Uh, mm-hmm. Welcome, everybody. This is Cinema Royale. I'm Travis Hobson. That is John Nolan. We are the Punch Drunk Critics. And uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about our best and worst of the year. We're going to go over some of our uh, top movies of the decade. Uh, you know, I just completed my top 100 
decade, John. I, you know, hats off to you for doing that because one of the things I suck at the most is is when people ask me what's your favorite movie because I mean there's there's five ways to to categorize that but also I always go blank and I I could not do that I don't know how you did but hats off yeah. to you <laughs> it took me took me weeks that's how I did it uh, it was yeah. not easy. Uh, I mentioned it before that I did it a decade ago in 2009, not long after we had started the site. Uh, I did mm-hmm. the, the top, top uh, 100 movies of the decade, and it was so much easier back then. Um, so easy. I mean, not like not like it was easy, easy, but it was easier. You know, I I had we well, probably didn't see as many movies back then. Right, I hadn't seen as many movies at the time, um, so that made it easier. This, I mean, this time I was picking out from. 200 to 300 movies each year and it was just like how am I supposed to whittle this down to 100 like it took me yeah. two days and I was at I was at 102 and it took me like two days to tick out to pick out the two that I wanted to take out <laughs> See, well and that's the that's the other difference it's not just dedication it's integrity like you really want those 100 to be your top 100 it, it, it has to make the list properly yeah. most people would be like oh fuck it it doesn't matter <laughs> but it does you matter know what? and, and after it's tough a to report. certain point after a certain point, when you get deep into the list, you're kind of like, does it really matter what's number 21 and what's number 20? Does it really matter? You start you start thinking that yeah. way, and then you're like, and then you're like uh, I'll just I'll just do it, do it, and do it right. Yeah. But after but after a while, when you've been doing, like, especially like because I broke it into five parts, but after you, I had done like the first couple parts, it's like, does it really matter? And I was like, eh, yeah, I'll just <laughs> the way I should yeah. do it. <laughs> you know, you can be real dedicated in the uh, in 195, real dedicated in one to five. But when you get to like 37, you know that's where you, the yeah. real the real dedication pops up. Yeah, and of course, I still get the I still got the uh, the messages from people like this list sucks. Where was this oh, yeah. movie? And I'm like, it's the top 100 of a decade, yo. Do you think everything is going to make it in there? Like no, the Social Network is not in my top 100 movies. I know it's in most people's, but I don't like that movie yeah. that much. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. fine. I mean, it's well, that's fine. it's it's also not the definitive list that everybody needs to cling to. It's your list, so. <laughs> right. But that's the internet right. for you. Right, and bests really just mean what's your favorite movie. I mean, that's the way I look. At yeah. It. You know, I, I could find a justification for any movie that I like, even if it's a uh, like a movie that most people think is crap. I can find a justification for like. That's an important distinction, though, and and that's what I always wrestle with is when people ask me because they'll say best, but do they actually mean my like my favorite movie or the movie I think is the best piece of cinema? You know what I mean? Like I, I I've always said on our shows, Blood Sports in my top list, but you know that's obviously not a good piece of cinema. <laughs> right, it's not. It, it, right, and, and Blood Sport is like is would be high on my list of best action movies ever made. Is it a, mm. is it is it a great film by any means? <laughs> no, probably not. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I mean, even when I was young, I recognized that Bloodsport wasn't like, wasn't a great movie because I yeah. like because back in VHS days, I had my version, had one version of the movie that had all of the bullshit with like Forrest Whitaker like cut out of it. It was just the fights. It was just the Kumite stuff. That was literally all right. it was. And but literally everything else was cut out. And then I had the full version. And which one did I watch the most? I watched the one that was just the Kumite version. <laughs> that's, that's all that really matters. I mean, the rest of it is just time to right. take a piss and go get some popcorn, you know? The rest of it is so. pretty terrible. I mean, honestly, the rest of it is pretty terrible. The acting is atrocious. Uh, you know, it's just like, <laughs> I mean, so I mean. My favorite line ever in the history of movies. 
is okay, USA. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, man, I still love that movie. I need to watch it again soon. I need to find a version that's just all Kumite stuff, though. I bet if I looked on YouTube, there probably is a version like that. Oh, there has to be, yeah. I mean, somebody probably put together a uh, super cut of all the best, like, fighting tournament movies and just looped them in there. God, I'd die happy. That'd be nice. That'd be real nice. Uh, I hope you put your best action movie of the year on here, too, because... Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, cool, cool. cool, cool. I'm going to be honest. My list, I, I was... Yeah. I was disappointed in my list. I don't know how yours turned out. You know, some years you have a lot of like under the radar. I always get pride from finding under the radar movies or not the movies everybody's talking about. But I went through all the movies that came out this year, like not even, you know, just the top earners, but all the movies that came out this year. So I didn't forget anything three times. And my list still is pretty damn predictable, but that doesn't matter because <laughs> it's my list. Exactly. <laughs> I, I got an email from somebody about a week ago, somebody who's been from up in Canada who's been following us for a while and apparently really likes the uh, most overlooked uh, movies list that I put out every year. And mm-hmm. they were asking, the, the, the person, I forget the guy, he, I think it's him and his wife that both like that stuff every year. And, um, and he asked me if I was going to do that list this year or if the top 100 had, like was going to like take me away from all that stuff. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, I mean, I honestly wasn't thinking about it that much because I had been so, so you know, sidetracked by the top 100 that I hadn't given mm-hmm. much thought to anything else. But now I feel like I should. <laughs> now I feel like I should yeah. do it. Um, even though we're, well, it's, we're kind of... It's like research for people. Right I mean, I, I remember, yeah. you know, before we were, we were writing and, and being in the mix, that, that used to be my favorite type of thing because... You know, everybody knows that, that Avengers was out and Star Wars is out, but if you, it, there's really nothing better, and I think a lot of people can uh, agree with this. There's really nothing better than putting in a movie you have no expectations for and being blown away, or, or you, you didn't know about or anything like that. It's just the best. Yeah, and I feel like it's going to be a little bit tougher this year too because uh, I didn't see nearly as many movies this year as I did in other other years because uh, you know we had more people writing on the site, and I could give that stuff over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't see nearly as many. I think I saw maybe 170 movies this year. That's that's about a hundred less than I would see in most years. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it was a, it's, it'll be more difficult for me to come up with some of those uh, hidden gems this year. But uh, I'm sure I'll find them. Maybe I'll just do like ten this year. And probably should be able to just fine. I might try to. Yeah, do I mean, even a top five would be good. Yeah, I might try to do that. Actually, and then maybe do my top twenty of the year as well. Trying to get both of them knocked out for the next couple of days. It's a pretty light month, other than the fact that I'll be gone most of it. But in terms of like screening stuff, it's pretty light. I mean, a couple movies this week, like a ball. Uh, next week, like a boss, and uh, Underwater are the two that come out next week. And then this week, mm-hmm. the only movie that was new was The Grudge, um, which they didn't even bother to screen for us. <laughs> which no, tell you something. <laughs> did you see it? I did see. It. I paid to see it on Thursday night. Did you see it? Yeah. So I mean, it's it's obvious why they didn't screen it. I mean, just yeah. It, I, I'll be honest. Uh, the the twenty the two thousands were a really weird time for uh, horror movies because usually you can look back at decades and every decade has a theme for their horror movies. You know, eighties was slashers, seventies was gritty, so on and so forth, and. In the 2000s, the theme changed like four times, uh, and, and it opened up the decade with J-Horror, with uh, The Ring, came out and kicked that off, and then went to torture yep. porn and so on and so forth. But uh, those movies were 
you know, really scary in the first time around. But this new one, it, it just it doesn't do anything new enough, and it, it's still creepy. They maintain the same visuals, but it just it, there's it's one of these cases where there's why did you do this? What was the reason for this? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. The the, the J horrors have never really worked for me. Um, because they because the J horrors all rely on a gimmick, which is not yeah. surprising because a lot of Japanese stuff in culture relies on gimmicks. Um, I can mm-hmm. say that even when, uh, when I watch the difference between like professional wrestling and I look at Japanese wrestlers, a lot of it relies on gimmick, which is cool. Yeah, I'm fine. But for horror, it doesn't really work. And in the case of the Grudge, I think it's particularly egregious um, because they're mm-hmm. all about you know the house that has the curse on it. If you somebody dies within the house in a particular rage, in an act of rage, then it leaves behind this curse, this grudge. Anybody who walks in there is cursed forever mm-hmm. by it. So you can see why how it's something that's easily turned into a franchise because anybody who passes through that joint carries it along with them forever. You know, it's pretty easy. Yeah. And this one and this one, you know, it's coming out all these years later. Because I think the last grudge movie was maybe a decade ago. I think it was straight to D V D. Um but it did really well on D V D. Straight to D V D did really well. Um the three grudge movies all did pretty well. Um, right. But this, like I said, the third one was straight to DVD, so it's, it's so it, it, the franchise was pretty much falling off at that point still. Mm-hmm. And then they bring it, bring this one back with Nicholas Pesca directing it, who's a director that I really like. Uh, he did The Eyes of My Mother, which was creepy as hell, um, and he did Piercing, which came out I think in 2018, and it's just this savage, dark comedy, and it's just it's violent and weird and, and to me it's just a hell of a lot of fun um, yeah the table. it's kind of like a revenge movie kind of flips the tables on that I, I like that stuff um, and then he comes and he does he's, he's, a, he's a really like I said really talented filmmaker not designed for this kind of spooch studio horror I don't think mm-hmm. um, because he seems like he's going through the motions in this entire movie like there's nothing literally nothing in it that advances the franchise or makes this seem like something that needs to be revived. Like, absolutely nothing. It's just straight, right. by, straight, by, the, straight by the numbers, whore, haunted house movie. And I was just like, I don't know. And in and, and the, and the theater I was at, the screen we went to, um, I mean, people were just laughing at it rather than being scared. It was yeah. that. And that's, that's okay, depending on what kind of horror movie it is. But if it's not going for that or accepting that, no chance. And that's. That's what I mean. This is this is a very good example of a uh, a license kept keep movie. Like you know, in any case, anybody other doesn't know uh, the studios have to generally speaking use whatever property. So if I buy the rights to the Grudge, and I don't make a movie in ten years, I lose the rights. So they, that's why you see some of these things came out. The most famous one was the Fantastic Four movie uh, by Roger Corman in the early nineties, uh, where the studios will just make a cheap cash grab movie to keep keep the uh, rights, but I mean, it's literally no time was spent on doing anything new or anything different. It's like, you know, yeah, the kids are still creepy looking, and if, if they creep you out, and, and I am one of those people that get super creeped out by uh, the J-Horror stuff, um, but it, it'll work in that sense, but that's about it. Yeah. And it's a shame, because it really does have a lot of a lot of uh, uh, talented people in it. You know, it's like John yeah. Schell, Andrea Riseborough, and Betty Gilpin, Lynn Shea, and Jackie Weaver. 
really great. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Got a couple of Oscar nominees in there. Um, yeah. Really Betty Gilpin. Yeah, I am a fan of Betty Gilpin. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, you, watch, you watch Glow, I'm assuming. <laughs> Oh yeah, I watched both, yeah. <laughs> and I'm still upset that the hunt didn't come out um, because of all the politics yeah. that got run last year. But I forgot so, about that. Yeah, that was back in September. I'm certain that movie will come out sometime in 2020. Yeah, somebody mm-hmm. will, else will find a way to get that movie out. Um, but yeah, it's so so much talent talent involved in this movie, and for it to just be as bland as it was. It's pretty unforgivable, in my opinion. I mean, it didn't even do well at the box office this week. It opened with uh, $11 million, which horror Against usually, nothing new, by the way. Against yeah. nothing new. Um, so, I mean, Star Wars won again. Uh, and then mm-hmm. was number one. So, yeah, it went against nothing new. It was only new film in theaters. And it didn't do anything. It's because people didn't understand why there needed to be, new, needed to be a new grudge movie. What was the value in it? What was the point? <laughs> yeah. This is the time when horror movies own the box office. Usually, the first week of the box office, the first week of the new year, is owned by some low budget horror. Last year, it was Escape Room. Yep. Last year was Escape and that was not a good Escape movie. Room. So that shows you what it takes. <laughs> like Escape Room, but it, but it, but it, it made it made 150 bucks, 150 million bucks. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, that movie did extremely well. Most horrors this time of year do, but the grudge can't. And what's interesting about that is that. Most of those horror movies aren't revivals of old franchises either. They're usually new things, original concepts um, mm-hmm. with a low budget. And they try to bring back this one with a name, with a name brand. It tanks. I wonder if that's your message in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's a message anybody will receive, I don't know. But, you know. Uh, yeah. January, the time of cheap horror and action movies. And there's always... By rule, if you look back, you know the good news is we have one to come because there's always one, sometimes two, but it's, it's always one movie that breaks out that that comes out in January. Like I think the first John Wick, for instance, came out in January. Like that, that movies like that, 
So you're not expecting there's always one in the January, February timeline that, that kicks through. But it wasn't the grudge. <laughs> Underwater looks interesting. That's the one with Kristen Stewart. Um, mm-hmm. and like a boss, it does have Rose Byrne and Tiffany Haddish and Selma Hayek in it, so it could potentially be funny. Um, but I don't know if either one of those will be a breakup either. It's, 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 this is an interesting one. Uh, there's not a whole lot I'm looking forward to this month, which I'm glad we're going over some of the sequel so to the good, good films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I mean, you might mentioned- you mentioned Salma Hayek, which is usually a good sign, but she actually shows up on my list here. Uh, but I, I, I've put, put together a list for a bunch of different categories. Uh, she's on my worst list this year, but uh, damn, she looks good for 55 or whatever she is. She's gorgeous. She's, mm-hmm. she's, she's going to be gorgeous late into life. She's going to oh, be yeah. gorgeous. She's going to be one of those. Absolutely. Would you, would you still, would you still, even though she's 70, yeah, that's like Sharon Stone, who was who was apparently on that app Bumble. I mean, she's she's loony as a Looney Tune, but she's she yeah. still looks damn good, and she's like sixty something. Wow, if I find her on Bumble, she comes in. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man, let's let's let's. All right, we talked about the Grudge, and I don't think in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, no. Let's 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 talk about some of our uh, best movies of twenty nineteen. Um, I don't know how many you did. I mean, I I, I kind of did mine concurrent when I with my top one. So I kind of right. I just did ten. You did ten. Okay, that's cool. So let's mm-hmm. let's go through your ten. Start at, I don't know if you have any particular order. It doesn't really matter. But um, let's mm-hmm. go through your ten, and we'll talk about each one a little bit. We won't we'll spend a whole lot of time doing this. I, would, I do want to talk a little bit about the Mandalorian finale with you. Um, yeah, for sure. Some other stuff that's going on, but uh, let's let's kind of go through what our top tens of, of 2019 were, and uh, you can get to start. Yeah. At ten, this is uh, we'll start with ten being the the least of the top. Um, I got Shazam, a movie that I was you know we saw the trailers and I was hopeful for, but you never know how it's going to turn out. Obviously, DC, other than Wonder Woman, has had a rough time, especially in the fun movie department. Uh, and out comes Shazam with somebody I've always really liked, Zachary Levy. Uh, knocked it out of the park. Uh, the chemistry was great, and it was just a shitload of fun. I've watched it a few times since then, and it all, it holds up. So that's number ten on my list. Yeah, Shazam's real. Shazam's a lot of fun. I like that movie too. I'm curious to see what they, mm-hmm. where it goes next, especially with them trying to bring in Black Adam and Dwayne Johnson and all that stuff. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, you want to go again? You want me to go? Uh, that's up to you. We, I, I'll go down my my ten if you want, uh, or we can go tip for tat. Doesn't matter. Let's go down your ten. All right. Uh, and then at number nine, I had Ready or Not, another one that was really surprising me. Samara Weaving, somebody that that I've been a big fan of. Just a an October horror movie. Why uh, such a big fan of Samara Weaving? Uh, I agree with her philosophies and her politics mostly. Yeah. Uh, you like um, you like you like her for the articles. But uh, yes, yeah, specifically her her philosophy on being super hot. Uh, but no, she, she's actually now. Margot I, Robbie. I, know I also. Margot Robbie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I I'm not gonna disagree with that. I like. To, um, I like. To. But she's got a thick Australian accent, which is you know kind of puts her over the edge. But I know I come off as a misogynist a lot. But to me, 
being a good actress is attractive, so that's why I talk about that. But you know, it's it's the, it's, the, it's the, a, the accent is so sexy. Though. Yes, it is. It is. Um, that say, and she's got the right kind of. That's you when I ran into Zoe Kazan. I mean, not Zoe Kazan, but uh, Zoe Bell. No. The, the night the night I, I met Tarantino at uh at once but for the once upon a time Hollywood party out in L.A. I also ran no into kidding. I also ran into Zoe Bell. Like right after I talked to him and got a picture with him, I turned around and, mm-hmm. and Zoe Bell was right in front of my face. And all right, so describe describe I, your reaction. Like breath stop, what happened? <laughs> my I it never looked so dorky in my life. And that's straight up true. <laughs> I mean straight up yeah, she's, one I was already one I was already blown away because I had just met Tarantino unexpectedly and talked to yeah. him and you know, got a got a cool picture with him. So I was already blown away by that and then I turned around and it was Zoe Bell and, and the little girl from once upon a time like, we're there together and um, okay. I turned around and Zoe Bell was right in front of my face and I was like and I said oh, sh- oh shit you're, uh, you're, you're Zoe Bell as if she didn't know she was fucking Zoe Bell and I was like oh you're Zoe Bell and I was like I, I, was like, I love you I was like I think you're fantastic and I was like and she's like oh thank you with her accent I was like I mean, I'm just going to turn around and walk now Cause I, cause yeah. like, this, I, is, this is not going to go I, better, I, so I'm going to turn around and walk. <laughs> I, but I literally said it out loud, though. Like, I'm, I'm going to walk away now. And I did that. I turned around and I walked away. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I've, never, I've never reacted like that before. And I was just like, ugh. Yeah. Afterwards, I felt like well, an idiot. Because I didn't get a picture with her, at least. But also, that I, just, yeah. I made myself look so bad. I was like, ugh. Hey, look, man. I I would usually I would usually get get on you about this, but I I, I get a, even you glanced over it a bit. But think about that one-two punch. You meet Tarantino, you take a picture with Tarantino, and you turn around out of nowhere, catching by surprise this uh, this actress that you've always been a huge fan. I I can understand that. But you know what else was awesome about that night, and, and also kind of frustrating. We we also met Burt Young from the Ramp from the Rocky movies, um, right? Paul, which is awesome. Um, the guy from uh, the guy who played Lil Pan in Big Trouble in Little China, he was there too. Didn't oh, yeah, he was in so many things. Yeah, I think what, is, what was his name? James Hahn. Yeah, James James Hahn. Yep. Right. Uh, we saw him there. He was the first person we saw when we walked into the into the into the bar. It was him. We were like, oh shit. Um, mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx passed him. Didn't get a chance to. And uh, but also Emil Hirsch and and, uh, and Cliff Curtis, not Cliff Curtis, but Clifton Collins were there, and we're just like love Clifton Collins. Yeah, they were all right there, right there, right there in Jericho, mm. and we didn't get that picture either because we were just kind of in the clouds after we talked to. Tarantino. Right. I'm just like yeah, you kind of want to climb up. You got you kind of want to climb up the mountain, but you guys are like dropped on top of the mountain first, so it's it's hard to uh, it's hard it's hard to remember all that. Right. And I was like, James Holland would have been a great just, one. We should, have, we should have stayed, man. We, we could have got pictures with all of them, and we did. Apparently, we had just missed uh, DiCaprio, too, and it was just like, Ugh. So, Yeesh. yeah, that was a wild night. But anyway, that all of that nice. from talking about Australian accents. Exactly, <laughs> and that's, that's where we go with this. <laughs> um, number, uh, what am I on? Eight? Yep, number eight was The Dead Don't Die. And uh, I, I know a lot of people didn't like this movie as much and I'll be honest, it, it wouldn't have made my top ten on the first viewing. It's the Jim Jarmish movie with Bill Murray and um Adam Driver. Uh it's 
kind of a I, I mean obviously it's a black comedy but it's it's just very odd and very awkward and very strange and when I watched it the second time there's been movies like different movies in my life that I watched the first time and I just don't like them that much and then on the second viewing something clicks or 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 something happens and it just really comes together for me and the dead don't die was one of those it's just Everything came together so nicely uh, on that second viewing that, uh, you know, I've watched it twice since then again. Uh, just a really fun, different take on, um, on the zombie genre with, uh, with a, a cast that you really can't, can't imagine ever being together. And anything you can get Bill Murray, right. like today Bill Murray, yeah, today Bill Murray being his full self in the lead role, then, uh, you know, it's going to be something great. Yeah, and Adam, Driver, um, Adam Driver's uh, – Big, another one of his roles this year he had was just an amazing year. He had a career year at a driver. Oh no, yeah, he has oh. he he has literally hit three of like maybe there's like four or five types of movies in Hollywood. He's hit like three of the five. He hit the the um, awards movie uh, with Marriage Story. He hit uh, the blockbuster action movie with Star Wars, and and he's got the uh, the funny uh, I say low income. That's not right. Low budget. Um, a horror slash comedy movie. I, he just really, and, there's not much had, else he could have done. And he had the report, which he might go oh, and report. Yeah. To that too. So yeah, the, crazy. the only thing he could have done to make this day this year more for him is record a Grammy winning single and star in a play that, <laughs> that gets Tony's, but maybe next year. Um, <laughs> next up is John wick three parabellum. Uh, this, this, this series is just keeps up at a level that I think everybody was surprised by in the first one. Um, and then it just keeps bringing more and it does so in a way that it takes, you know, a lot of times when they say movies don't take themselves seriously as a good thing, it means that the movie doesn't feel real, like to like true to the genre it's in, but this is a movie that doesn't take itself seriously in a way that it's still a hardcore action movie that, that this is essential popcorn entertainment. You sit down 90 minutes, Keanu Reeves kicks ass. It, doesn't get any better than that when it comes to uh, popcorn action movies to watch. Um, then I have uh, Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I, I don't think you can really describe this movie without being interested. Uh, Taika Waititi as Adolf Hitler in a movie that follows uh, a Nazi youth um, during uh, during the war, and it's just Scarlett Johansson. You know, I know Marriage Story is what people are going to talk about her for, but she was amazing in this, uh, and and really. Uh, heartbreaking, you know, but I don't want to go into that too much. Uh, but the mixture of the cat, the performances by her, Sam Rockwell, and the uh, the young boy whose name is escaping me at the moment, uh, really were at the very top of my my list for performances this year. Rockwell especially, I, I think he should be getting an Oscar every year, even if he doesn't star in a movie, just because um, he's always amazing. I mean, the story is just such a unique take and. Even though it's clouded in in comedy, um, and, and there's you know there's darkness to the movie. Obviously, it's about Nazi Germany. But uh, even though it's clouded in comedy, there's a really, really good message and story in there about you know believing the hype or listening to what everybody else is saying and, and judging for yourself and and you know seeing through you know the clouds and fog around you that the world can give you sometimes. So uh, it was really a movie that surpassed my expectations. Um, and then I got Knives Out. I was not surprised at all how much I love this movie. Um, you know, I, I we've talked a hundred times on uh, our various shows about Ryan Johnson, uh, the movie Brick, uh, and and just what a what an amazing filmmaker this guy is when he's not doing stars. Um, and um, he, he's just amazing. He comes out, and you got 
You got Anadarmus, one of my new top top five uh, favorites. You got Chris Evans, Jamie Curtis. You got Don? this whole. Why do you like Anna Armas so much? Because she was on the honor roll all four years in high school. Um, and I respect that, Travis. I respect the hard work. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Johnson just proved she that isn't he's still very good he's still, as well as big, incredibly, incredibly hot. She's also. Yeah, those things aren't mutually exclusive. As well. <laughs> right. Go ahead. Go um, ahead. It's just. It, 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 the only thing that surprised me about a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups. Automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Knives out was that Ryan Johnson's kept that, excuse the pun, but edge of the knife sharp writing that usually kind of drops off a little bit when you leave the indie realm. Um, you know, they, it, it, people are always affected by the studio process. I mean, Ryan Johnson just came off of Star Wars, uh, you know, The Last Jedi. So to be able to come back and write something this indie feeling, this sharp and this um, – together after that and not be tainted by the process is all even more impressive. Uh, but so, the whole thing together was Let's be honest, he was able to write this movie probably because of that experience. I mean, you know, he puts a lot of commentary about exactly the kind of people who attacked him because of The Last Jedi into this movie. So um, Yeah, that's true. I think it's I think it's part of I think I, I think if he had never done uh The Last Jedi, uh Knives Out probably would still exist, but it might exist in a different way. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, then in that case, I'm glad for that whole process because it, it it shows shows me that that Ryan Johnson is is you know I was one of those people that didn't like last year. I've always said it a hundred times, and I you know it just reaffirmed that why I love the guy, why why I, I I've always enjoyed his movies. Brothers Bloom, Brick, Knives Out, um, you know they, they would be in my those those three would probably make my top 100 of the last 20 years, uh, all three of them. So um, next up, I saw you put a lot of best of the decade list. I saw Looper on a lot of best of the decade lists too. So. Yeah, yeah. When Looper's, I just I forgot about it. See, that's that's one of the reasons that I would never have the dedication you did to write a top 100 of the decade. But that's why I'd be really interested in doing it is rediscovering all these movies I forgot about. Um, exactly the best part of it. That is, that is exactly the best part of it. Right. Um, 
Damn, you know what? I think I actually have a top 11, so we're just going to have to have that. Because um, <laughs> next up is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Only thing I could possibly say wrong about that movie was it is a little overlong. And it's Tarantino, so that kind of comes with the territory. Um, you know, Brad Pitt. I mean, everybody knows the cast. I don't need to go over that. Um, but I, I really like that. There was another movie came out this year that should be on a lot of worst lists called The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Um, now, the, uh, the, Manson, yeah, the Manson murders are one of the biggest culturally significant crimes of the last 100 years. Uh, it literally killed uh, the theme of a generation. You know, this killed the summer of love. Killed the hippie movement. You know, people started locking their doors. That whole 1950s and 60s, you know, uh, rose-colored past that people talk about. This is where it stopped. This is this is one of the things that stopped it. And um, you know, it's something that you know Tarantino doesn't. I, I don't want to say he treats things disrespectfully, but he treats them as how he wants to treat them uh, in the Tarantino way. We saw what's in Inglorious Bastards and all that. So this could have gone wrong, but it really felt like he treated the original source with respect and showed us exactly what we wish would have happened. There's also a really cool note in it about, about the very, you know, the, the butterfly effect type thing that, that happens in life. Like something as simple as, as, uh, as, you know, being home at the wrong time or going to the wrong door could completely change, not just that event, but the entire history past it. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Sharon Tate survives this. Um, and you know, it's, but it's, it's really hammered home by her coming out and talking to Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, at the end of it, and, and uh, you know, it's it's like wow, this one thing changed. What's that? I said, well, I ain't spoiled it. Oh yeah, well, it, it, it's been out. It, people, you know, <laughs> there's a moratorium on that shit. Um, so, not to mention, anytime know, you have. Where you on now? Where you on now? Uh, you I think I'm on four. Yeah. Okay, I'll go All quick. Right. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio okay. burning, um, flame throwing somebody in the pool gets it on the list. Uh, next up is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Rise of Skywalker, obviously. Um, Into the Spider Verse. No, that's on my last year list. Sorry. Uh, Rise of Skywalker and then Avengers Endgame. Um, and I don't really need to go into either one of those too much because we know, uh, yeah, you know, we've talked about that ad nauseum. So, uh, Endgame. Far from home in there. I, you know, I'd like Far Far from Home, um, but Far from Home and Captain Marvel are just outside of my top ten. Yeah, yeah. I, when you said um, Spider-Man, Spider-Verse, I, I assumed you meant Spider-Man: Far From Home, but okay. No, I, I keep all my lists in an Excel spreadsheet um, just in case I ever need to look back at them. So uh, it all gets kind of muddled sometimes. Um, okay. And if I can, just real quick, I'll just shoot through the. I've got two or three movies, and I'll run through them real quick. Most disappointing yeah. of the year: Rambo, Last Blood, and Pet Cemetery. Um, <laughs> Rambo, and worst of the year is Serenity and Drunk Parents. I'm so Serenity, upset. I never. Really, I am so upset that I haven't watched that yet. You haven't? No, someone else did it for us. I think I, I, I certainly didn't. I did it. I, um, see it I, I, I mean, I know you're a completionist, so I, I'm surprised you see it afterwards. It's just so bad. Like it, like yeah. the the premise is bad. The performances are bad. The dial. I mean, it's just so bad. And then it's got this twist that you're like, they're not really gonna do this twist, are they? And then they do it, and you're just like. This wow. was a really I, shit year for Matthew McConaughey movies. Besides Serenity, he also did The Beach Bum, which, which is just yeah, so bad. And and I love Harmony Korine. Spring Breakers was in my top 100 of the decade. Uh, mm-hmm. But 
the beach bum is incomprehensible nonsense. And it's just like, oh my god, I don't know what I'm what I'm watching. And I watched yeah. it late. I watched it like in December. I, I didn't watch it when it came out. Um, and I, I that's why I don't more. understand hype. Because before that came out, there was hype for it, and then it came out, and it was like, uh, there goes the hype because it's not good. There's good reason for it. I was hyped for it big time. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm a big fan of Harmony Corinne, and that cast looks like a lot of fun. But man, that movie's just nonsense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you got more? Uh, no, I just uh, Drunk Parents was the other one. Um, that was what I was alluding to with Salma Hayek. Her and Alec Baldwin in a movie that's just oh, yeah. couldn't be more. Give us money and we'll go away. It was it was bad. <laughs> Real bad. Oh man! All right, I'm gonna run down my my top. Uh, my, I'm gonna run yeah, down. Sorry, my, I took up all the time. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. It's fine. I can we can get through this. No big deal. Um, and these are in no particular order, so I'm not gonna. These, are, these aren't in the top ten or anything. Uh, first one is Uncut Gems. Um, also on my list of uh, my my pick for uh, surprisingly had the best acting year of 2019 was. Or, or not really that, but one of the best perform- best years of his career was Adam Sandler. Um, yeah. Not only was, was Adam Uncut Gems a phenomenal, I said it's his best performance he's ever given, even better than Punch Drunk Love. But he's actually mm-hmm. kind of fun and pretty good in Murder Mystery. That mur- Netflix's that movie top movie actually, of the year. The Netflix's top movie of the year, most watched movie of the year, Murder Mystery, which is actually really enjoyable. This is a good year for mm-hmm. Adam Sandler. And Uncut Gems is just... Yeah. Maddeningly, and you know what? It would have made my list be, uh, if we were doing a best cinema of 2019. It would have made my list, but there's only reason it's farther down on my list is I'm an anxious person, and I, I damn near <laughs> had to get a Xanax watching that movie. Yeah. It's and Absolutely. that's a testament to his performance. But wow, Absolutely. that movie will give you a heart attack. Safety Brothers, they make between this and Good Time, man, they'll give you a stroke. Um, mm-hmm. Parasite. Um, which I is I just absolutely love that movie. Another movie that is anxiety inducing. Um, mm. Ad Astra, which I'm sad to say, I feel like people have kind of been overlooking uh, this award season. I think Ed Astra is just a brilliant film. Um, I think people were expecting Oscar. Gravity, and that's why that's why I got yeah. some bad bad stuff. And that's not really fair to the movie. It was good. I would agree with that. I think Brad Pitt gives one, if not my favorite male performance of the year, it's certainly one. Um, mm. Midsummer, which I think is also the best quote-unquote horror movie. I, I don't even necessarily want to call it a horror, but I would say if it, it's, if, it kind of falls in that category. But Midsummer is just fantastic. And I had to see right. it. It was the second time I saw it when it really clicked for me. Like, I liked it the first time a lot. But the second time I saw it, the uncut version, sitting there in the crowd and watching it, I was just like, yeah, this movie's really working for me. Um, I'm Midsummer. I just love that film. Um, almost cracked my top 100 of the decade, but then I thought um, Avengers Endgame, uh, highest grossing movie of the year of all time. Um, you know, this movie's just this is one of those films, and I, I kind of when I was doing my uh, top 100, which it appears in, um, I kind of categorized it right along with like Captain America, um, Civil War, and just a movie that is just of a huge comic book spectacle, the way that I would yeah. want it to. Like I want comic book movies to be. Um, does it all make sense? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> no. Right. But is it? But it, but then again, most comics don't make sense either. They just give you the fun. They give you the super heroics, and that's what this movie does. Right. So, I mean, that's that's. Really and you know what? 
just one note about Endgame before we stop talking about it until the best movies of the last hundred years. Um, the the ability of um, them to take so many storylines, so many characters, so many things, and land it near perfectly is is you know it should get an Oscar just based on that. I mean, put merging things together and giving them the right right um, you know. In respect to everything is really hard to do, and I was really surprised by that. Proof. Avengers Game is proof that you can take a multi-year storyline and you can you can stick the landing. Uh, mm-hmm. For people like me who feel that the Rise of Skywalker does not stick the landing, and a lot of people make excuses, well, it was never going to be able to be satisfying. I think that's bullcrap. You could have made a satisfying movie. Uh, Avengers Endgame proves that you can. Um, that's yeah. 10 years and many more movies of storylines than Star Wars had. <laughs> yeah. Like, like more than double the number of Yeah, I can't even defend it on that. Yeah. Right. I mean, so it's like, it can be done. It, to me, it just wasn't done with Star Wars, but Endgame proves that you can do it. It is possible to do that sort of thing and stick the landing and satisfy people. Because people were satisfied mm-hmm. by the Avengers game, even those who don't think it's amazing, like like I do and others do, feel that it was satisfying. Um, obviously, yeah. otherwise it made so much money. <laughs> um, yeah. Next movie, nineteen seventeen, which full disclosure is my number one movie of twenty nineteen. Nineteen seventeen was just a, in terms of war movies. I don't know if there's ever been one that puts you right there in the thick of it the way that movie does, and a lot of it is the way it's shot, for sure. Um, there's a big part of it. Um, it's just such a brilliantly made film. I just, I love everything about it. So, 1917 for me. Um, yeah. You know, the, 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 it's. I don't, I, I don't want to call it a gimmick because it's not. It, you know, the, the way it's shot is one. It's, it's edited with like one take. There but. are movies where where it is a gimmick, uh, but mm-hmm. the other time it is it is used to enhance the story. It's used. It's yeah, you, it's one of those cases where you really feel like you're on the trip. You know. Right. Yeah, it, and it I, I like that it didn't it didn't focus on the on the large trench war. It, you know, it avoided the impulse to focus on large trench warfare. You know, most of the things that happened were small personal moments of you know combat or whatever you want to call it. And I think that's where it really set it apart. Yep. Uh, next up was Ford versus Ferrari, uh, the mm-hmm. rare art house film that also works as popcorn entertainment. Those movies don't come around that often anymore. Um, the report. Which I saw back in January and absolutely loved, and I, I, it's one of those movies that I don't know how many times I'm going to watch it because I don't want to watch about the torture report that much. Um, yeah, I just think it's 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 the movie that proves that you can also make these kinds of informative uh, bio dramas uh, that, it, on the surface, seem like they'd be very dull and very dry, um, and you can mm-hmm. do them in intense and and worth connecting with. Um, once upon a time yeah. in Hollywood. I just I love everything about Tarantino and the movies he makes right now and this movie more than any other any other that he's ever made is like pure Tarantino. Um it mm-hmm. just take it just throws you into his mindset, his view his view of Hollywood more than anything any other movies ever made. Um and yeah. the last one for me is The Farewell, which is also also saw in January and I, it, I knew it was gonna be very high on my list of best movies of the year and it stayed there. Aquafina. I hope she gets nominated for uh, an Oscar this year. It's one of those movies that uh, is it's culturally specific, but the themes are universal. You know, talking about family and 
and loyalty and, mm-hmm. and trust and all sorts of things. And I just think it's just just gonna be a decent film. So those are those are my ten for twenty nineteen. Uh yeah. A couple a couple extra couple extra things here. Best sci fi film for me was Elite of Battle Angel. Uh that would probably be my most underrated too if I thought about it yeah i was gonna say i'm glad you brought that up because it's really not it, it, i mean even from when it came out it, it never got the hype it deserved and I, I feel like people thought it wasn't talked about so they assumed it was bad but they would be wrong and now you got you got a lot of people campaigning for it to get a sequel i hope it does uh most surprising actor 2019 that was adam sandler best horror midsummer most disappointing film besides the rise of skywalker i, I left that out although i just mentioned it so you know it's in there uh, most disappointing <laughs> film was Triple Threat. Uh, Triple Threat. This is the action okay. movie that had Iko Uwe and. Um, uh, oh yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Tiger Chen. Uh, Tony and, and, Tony Jaa. And Tony Jaa, which on paper should be the greatest action movie of all time, and it was just yeah, it was just another action movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all it was. It was just another action movie, um, which is like. I, I feel like I could have written a better action movie for those three than they got. It was just a very yeah. bland film. It, it needed a better director. It needed a more dynamic director. That was the problem, more than anything else. It needed a more dynamic yeah. director than Jesse V. John. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. He's just a workman director. Like, he's like the yeah, kind of I mean, guy... He's like the kind of guy who will make Kickboxer 4. You know, he's not the guy who's going to make, like, The Raid. You know, like that's what it right. needed. It needed like Gareth Evans to make to make that movie. <laughs> yeah, and if you look at his filmography as director, he has done absolutely zero movies that you would have ever heard of, really. Um, you know, but and and I think that's a classic Hollywood mistake of thinking that it, as long as you have one good ingredient, the pie's going to taste good. But you, you know, you have those guys, but you also need the story. You also need the director, and 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 it's it's a missed opportunity because who knows if you'll ever get those guys together again. So I've talked a lot about my top 100 movies of the decade, but, and uh, I feel like I don't need to say a lot more about it. Go over to punchdrunkcritics.com and, and then click on features, and you can see my top 100 movies of the decade. I have them broken down into five parts. Um, if I want to quickly run down what my, uh, let's say, top 10 of the decade were, they were The Revenant, Rogue One, Short Term 12, Avengers Infinity War, The Florida Project, Brooklyn, The Raid 2, Star Wars The Last Jedi, Roma, and my number one, Scott Pilgrim vs. <laughs> the World. Which, was that the uh, last decade? That was 2010. Wow, and it, it was Raid 1 in the last 10, or, or did you, do you think Raid 2 was better than Raid 1? Oh, I think The Raid 2 is better than, is better than that one, but The Raid... Is uh, it's really the raid? Yeah, the raid is number fifteen. Uh, so they're both in my twenty. <laughs> yeah, I mean they so, really are. You don't get a better two punch of of action movies than the raid and raid two. Yeah, 
And I wanted to put uh, Keanu Reeves' Man of Tai Chi in my top 100, but it didn't make it. So. Now, another good one that people overlooked a, a lot. What, what would you? I don't know if you did this list or if you think about it, but it, the worst couple movies of the last decade. It's hard, so hard to do the worst because it, you forget yeah. about bad, bad movies. Yeah, I know, and I didn't even really think about them when I was doing it uh, because I was mm-hmm. so intent on finding the best ones that I totally like didn't even think about the worst ones. I didn't have time to think about the worst ones. Um, yeah, I mean, space to think about. So I didn't even think about what the worst ones would have been. What would be what would be yours? Uh, I mean, I threw a quick a quick list together, and um, you know, <laughs> Jack and Jill. You know, we talked about oh. Adam Sandler today. This was his his uh, and I'm I'm a big Adam Sandler guy. Like I, I I understand why people don't like his Netflix movies most of the time or any of the movies he does, but I, I always think they're fun if nothing else. Jack and Jill was not, and it it, it took um it really tainted the career of uh, Al Pacino. Um, not really yeah. forget about, it. but the worst of the last decade is a movie that I still have no idea. I I really wanted to see a movie uh, documentary like a um, what was the one about the. That bad movie shit. I forgot what the name of it was, but I want to see a documentary about how this movie got made. Is movie forty three? I mean, it's got to be up there on the list of worst movies ever made in the history of the world. It's got this huge THR crazy cast. THR's yeah, and it, it's actually pretty good. Like in terms of like movies, I would put in there. They got some 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 low hanging fruit on there. Like yeah, like the Adam Sandler Ovoir. It's like. Jack and Jill, the cobbler. The cobbler is atrocious. The cobbler might be very low on my list of worsts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pixels. I actually kind of enjoyed Pixels, just in a weird way. And um, that's my boy, which is just terrible. And just go with it. Just awful. Cowboys and Aliens, uh, which a movie I literally forgot existed until like two seconds ago. Um, yeah, but that was forgettable. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily bad. Or maybe I don't remember because I forgot, but. I don't remember it being it was horrible. Pretty bad too. I mean, that was a John Favreau joint, wasn't it? Um, I, I think you're right. Yeah, it. Yeah. I, there, I know it's a name director that's associated with it. I'm trying to think of who it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was. Um, you know, the Last Airbender is another one that a lot of people would put on that hanging. list. Yeah, that's low hanging fruit. Just like putting the mm-hmm. the 50 trilogy on there is low hanging fruit. I was like, yeah, we get it. Um, mm-hmm. This means war is legitimately terrible. Um, that deserves to be there. Although I'm sure our friend Rocky probably likes it because he's Chris Pratt, Tom Hardy a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Valentine, Valentine's Day, which I thought was the last decade, but apparently it was 2010. So <laughs> there, was like a three or, there was like a three or four year span where we had a bunch of holiday themed movies. It was like this this winter, curl up with they're your family and watch Marshall. Boxing Day. You know. They're all. Did he do all those? He did a bunch. Oh, of, wow. Didn't he do that when he did New Year's Eve? Yeah. I th- I knew he'd done one, but I didn't know I didn't know if he did multiples. But you know, Gary Marshall's 150 years old. If he wants to make some sappy movies, make some money, I, I he's done he's done right by me. Gary Marshall point. is dead. Number one. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> any movies when right when now. he, he made it. I mean, <laughs> he, died, he died in 2016. <laughs> yeah, after that. Yeah, he did Valentine's Day, he did, he did New Year's Eve, and he did Mother's Day. Back to back to back. And then he and died. All, Coincidence? And then, and, and then he died. And he, not, no, he actually, that's actually true, because he did Mother's Day in 2016, in, uh, in 2016, and he died in 2016. So, he gave us those. I'm just glad. 
He's like, here you go. I'm just glad that I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> live with it. I'm just glad that there were when when going through my going through all the movies that came out in the last ten years, um, you know, it was a quick look, so there might be some one that I'm not remembering, but I was glad that there weren't a bunch of bad spoof movies. That was the biggest sin of the two thousands. Um, was there was a, a period of time and I don't remember what movie kicked it off. It might have been an overhang from scary movie, but there was like a, a four year period where they just made the laziest, stupidest parody parody movies possible. And you know, people like Paris Hilton started them and it was just horrible. And parodies is one of my favorite genres when it's done right. A Haunted House 2 was 2014, so they were still making them. Still making them this decade. Well, yeah, the, the Wayans did, but I, I kind of let them do what they want to do. <laughs> I'm talking <laughs> about, like, disaster movie, action movie, oh, you know, all yeah, those yeah. horrible ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> all in all, and, and the one thing that, 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 that's that you really got to – yeah. The one thing you really got to point out about the 2010s, um, you know, even though it started in 2008, it, it, it's really the most obvious thing. But the decade was obviously owned by Marvel, um, and you know, the it, it'll be interesting to see if their effect on cinema is a permanent thing. But it's going to be really hard for people to keep saying that the superhero uh, time is over. You know, they've been saying that for 10 years, and really in the last couple of years, you stopped hearing that because I think Marvel finally showed people that. It's not a gimmick movie. It's something that you can actually make good cinema that people enjoy about. Well, we're a couple. We only got about seven minutes left here. So, um, mm-hmm. what were your? What were some of your picks for best of the decade? Because we didn't get any of those. What, what are some of your picks for best of the decade? Oh, here. Let me uh, let me pull up my list real quick. Um, Come on, man. You're supposed to be ready. <laughs> I know. I, I I put my list down because I stopped doing my stuff. Hold on one second. <laughs> Um, let's see. Okay, I had uh, you, the one we, and this is even worse because uh, we opened the show with it. Is Mad Max Fury Road was on my list. These are in, I didn't put these in order. Um, that was my. Let's see. I had uh, the the rare cinematic movie that I the, the rare critically acclaimed movie that I put on my list. Beast of Southern Wild is on my list. Um, I really loved that movie. Um, I, I put the MCU as a whole on the list because otherwise it would just be a top ten. Uh, of you know those movies, um, the Force Awakens uh, was was on that list, um, and let's see, where was Solo on that list? Solo was on that list. Where was it? Solo didn't make the list, but you know what? I I still I don't agree. The thing about Solo is it's just actually, forgettable. Like it's not bad. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's not a bad movie. It's just forgettable. Like Rogue One made your list, and and, and oh, I'm sorry. You know what? Rogue One would definitely be on my list. I I completely. Overlooked it, but that would definitely be on my list. That movie has become uh, – has gone from being in my top five to probably in my top two, if not top three, uh, of Star Wars movies because it is so utterly rewatchable and so damn good. It's still – I love it. the only Star Wars movie that feels like we're really at war. Like it's the only yeah. one that moves that way. <laughs> and you feel like you, you feel like there's real stakes for everybody involved, and you find out that there is there are real stakes, but – um, you know, it's yeah. it's something. The Wolf of Wall Street would be on that list for me. That movie um, is kind of like the anti Rise of Skywalker. Because one of my big beasts with the Rise of Skywalker, and I don't want to spend like I don't want to sit here and shit on the movie that I know you like more than I did. But but that movie. Oh, that's good. Were, Go ahead. They were ultimately <laughs> no. I mean, but really, there for a lot of those characters, there weren't a lot of stakes that ended up you know being paid by most. Like every time somebody no, I mean, seemed like they were dead, they were brought almost immediately right back. And it's just like And you knew that they were gonna be. 
Right, and it was like, but that but Rogue One was like, nah, man, these characters got some shit going on, man. They didn't know I come back from this. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it didn't bother me, but I can I can definitely agree with that. Like, you know, Rogue One, you didn't know, you, you knew that some of the people that showed up later, but they were all cameos. Only people that that were going to be in later films showed up in cameos. And in uh, Rise of Skywalker, really, the, it could have been built and it could have been done in a way that. Everybody was at risk except for maybe Ray. You know she's got to survive at least to the very end. But like Finn and Poe, those those two could both be primed for a, a heroic sacrifice. And I don't know about you, but I never once during the the, the run of the movie thought, oh, well this is Finn's last moment or this is Poe's last moment. I mean, yeah, you know, it just never felt that way. Yeah, it never felt that way. Um, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting. Go ahead. Yeah. So I mean that's. Uh, you know, I saw the devil would probably be on that list for me. Um, kick ass, which is a movie. What's that? I, I saw the devil's in my top one hundred. I love that movie too. Yeah, it's just a just a great all around movie. Um, you know, uh, let's see what else I got in here. I, the Mission Impossible movies I had put on as a group, just because I'm so surprised by them, and it's it's such a a, a backwards way uh, that things go. Is that with each sequel they seem to get better. Um, much the way that, in a backwards way, Tom Cruise seems to be more physical the older he gets. Um, yeah. Dread and uh, Dread and the Cabin in the Woods were the two um, were two I'll, I'll mention just because those are probably the underrated or overlooked when people talk about the best movies of the decade. I think Dread it's still criminal that there's no sequel or that it didn't get a good box office. Such a, such a good all around movie. And then Skyfall is on the uh, top ten of the uh, top ten of the decade for me. I'd say for sure. Arguably the best Bond movie, but I, I still favor Casino Royale. I, there's something about that movie. Maybe it's because it's his introduction, but there's something so new and so great about that movie. The only reason I'm not upset about Dread not getting a sequel, and I was upset about it for a long time. The only reason I'm not upset by it is because if the if it did get a sequel, we probably wouldn't have Ex Machina or Annihilation. Which I love, I love both of those films. Yeah. So Wait. Alex Garland wrote, wrote Dread and then directed both Ex Machina. Right, okay. At least one or both of those. So, that's only right. But, but I'm with you. I always wanted Dread to get a sequel. And I'm sad that it, it never will at this point. It's just not going to happen. So. Yeah, and then uh, Train to Busan is the, the, the only other one I'll mention. I know we're yeah. running short on time here. If, if you want to talk about overlooked movies, if anybody's a fan of the uh, the horror genre, specifically the zombie genre, um, it's a Korean movie uh, about a guy who's just trying to get uh, – get across country to get to his loved ones on a train and it's just it's batshit crazy and it's amazing yeah great pick that's a good pick um yeah so uh i wanted to talk a little bit about the mandalorian finale but we're not really gonna have time uh, this week. oh you could have shut me up earlier i forgot about that <laughs> no it's okay we can talk about it next week it's not a big deal mandalorian's not going anywhere um <laughs> have you watched the witcher at all i haven't um no, it sucks. We have an interview with like the star and the cast of the Mandalorian uh, of the Witcher from Comic Con, and mm-hmm. I have time to transcribe it. <laughs> oh shit! Our friend, our friend Karen uh, did it at Comic Con, and she didn't have time to transcribe it. She writes for. Where are those interns that we uh, that, that we're supposed to be getting? That's a great you know intern what? job. We get, we get them. <laughs> that's that's going to be their first assignment. It's going to be to do that. Right. Um, so we need to get that. We need to do that. Um, but yeah. I'm, I'm gonna try to watch The Witcher at some point. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's good. Just uh, I don't know if you played the games or uh, any of that. It's a really good show once you get over the confusion that I'm sure you've heard about. Um, I've heard about the, the confusion. confusion. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
it sounds it's something that could have been fixed very easily with like just a a date in the lower left hand corner for a couple seconds when they switch over. But it's so seamless, and you're like, oh wait a second, this person I thought they were dead. Whether they're back, what, you know what's going on. But mm-hmm. by the fifth episode, you kind of know what's going on, and you really can get into it. All right, well, we are winding down to the last 30 seconds of the show, everybody. Um, I'm going to thank everyone who tuned in to listen to our bests of 2019 and our little discussion about the best of the decade and our review of The Grudge. You can find out more at uh, punchdrunkcritics.com. Uh, I am Travis Hobson. That is John Nolan. You can find us on Twitter at PunchyCritic and at PunchDrunkJohn. Uh, check us out here every single week on Blog Talk Radio and on Spreaker and everywhere that you get podcasts. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks a lot, John. I'll talk to you next week, my friend. Thanks. Talk to you guys later. Later, everybody. Bye. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.